Hey, senders, welcome back to the segment podcast. This is episode 29. And before we get started with this episode, I did want to say thank you to the supporters of the show. Thank you so much to Tasco. Tasco, the awesome shirt company. We've all seen Tasco's gloves and all the POVs from all the YouTubers. They make amazing gloves, comfortable shirts, comfortable jerseys, great hats. But my favorite that they make is called the Scout Shorts. If you get a chance, take a look at the Scout Shorts by Tasco. They made just a brand new series of shorts too called the Phantom Series. The Phantom Series is the same template as the Scout Shorts, but they're this new, airy, breathable material that's eco-friendly and green. So take a look, and if there's anything you need from Tasco, use my promo code that's in the links in this description and receive 15% off your purchase. Again, if you use the links for Tasco in my description, you'll get 15% off your purchase at Tasco. Also, special thank you to the Bole brands. The Bole brands include Spy Optic, Bole, and Serengeti. Awesome lifestyle glasses for sunglasses, everyday wear, prescription glasses, but also for mountain biking. Spy Optic has the foundation goggles, which is what I currently wear when I'm out there on the trails, and they definitely help keep my eyes protected. They have the anti-fog technology, and they have the HD plus lens clarity that allows me to see all the different objects on the trail and help me choose the right line to keep me safe and send down the trails. Lastly, special thank you to 7IDP, 7 Intelligent Design Protection, mountain bike gear for both the male and female athlete. 7IDP carries helmets all the way from in protection from your head down to your toes. I'm currently rocking the uh, Project 23 full face carbon fiber helmet that has 23 vents in it so it keeps my head cool while keeping me safe out there. If there's anything that you need for protection, um, check them out at 7protection.com and use promo code SEGMENT for 15% off your purchase. Again, promo code SEGMENT for 15% off your purchase. Okay, senders, my special guest is named Blake Stenica. Blake is an inspirational guy who I really was hoping to get on the show, and I did. I was very happy to talk with him, and I enjoyed our conversation. Blake's story began back in high school where he started losing his vision. And Blake is an avid mountain biker and played a ton of sports. So when he started losing his vision, it was something that was really detrimental to him at the time, and it also raised a lot of questions. Later, Blake was diagnosed with a condition called LHON for short, also known as Labor's Hereditary Optic Neuropathy. Basically, Blake has lost all of his central vision. That didn't stop him. If you take a listen to the story, take a listen to how he became magnum cum laude through college. He became a hockey player on the United States National Hockey Blind League. He is still a mountain biker. And hey, guess what? recently engaged to his beautiful fiancée, Amanda. So take a listen. Hope you guys enjoy to the story of Blake Stenica. And boom, we are back, folks. Hey, everybody, it's Mark Hill here with the segment, uh, segment podcast and live stream. On tonight's live stream, you might recognize my guests uh, that are here with me today. They were also on the episode that uh, we did out at Veilocity with Blake and Eric about riding blind. What's up, guys? Hey, hey, how's it going? Good, man. Good to see you guys. Thank you both for being on the show tonight. Uh, this is awesome. 
I wanted to uh, say I was super impressed, really inspired and motivated by writing with you that day. And I even go back and I look at that video of us out there at Vail and I'm just like, I'm blown away on, on, on our writing that day. It was, it was awesome. I, I don't know. I didn't know what to expect, but I walked away being completely inspired by you guys. Awesome. Thanks so much. We, I think we impressed ourselves too. <laughs> we just say, Eric, you, you were going, you were pushing us pretty quick. <laughs> it, it was so much fun. Um, for the purpose of folks that are watching the show and for the folks that may not have had a chance yet to watch the YouTube video, uh, Riding Blind with Blake and Eric, um, wouldn't you, would you guys mind just introducing yourselves to the folks out there? Yeah, for sure. Just real quick. Um, we'll dive more into my story later. But um, yeah, my name is Blake and I'm visually impaired and I love mountain biking. Um, and despite going through my vision loss, I've been able to figure out how to continue riding um, by using a guide that talks me through the trail. And um, Eric has just been a close friend where we've really gotten to figure out that process um, and excited to share that more with others um, on this podcast. Yeah, so uh, my name's Eric. Um, I was kind of getting into mountain biking, and and I knew Blake was into it, and he was going through his vision loss. So he's like, "Hey, dude, you gotta you gotta help me get down the trail." So um, <laughs> that's how this whole thing started. Was just like Blake, you know, was like, "I want to keep riding, and I need somebody to help me do it." Pretty much. So um, yeah, I'm stoked to been doing that for Blake, and it's been an awesome journey for both of us. Yeah, man, I gotta say, you guys are impressive. You guys created your own language when it comes to riding down the trails, which is very cool to hear. And then very cool to see how you both react to what you're saying. Um, both of you guys are out of college now, right? Yeah. You're, you're out of college now. And you guys met, though. This was like before college. You guys were in high school when you guys met? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We had like... PE together and uh, <laughs> I, I guess Eric was a pretty cool kid I, we kind of were friends then and just more became friends through church and our high school youth group there um, yeah. and just since college I feel like became better friends um, yeah. even more so if you would awesome. agree Eric <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure yeah that, that is awesome yeah, Eric, you know, Eric got I was, I was saying Eric got less into golfing and more into biking which is was a good change <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now, Eric, were did you guys start mountain biking at the same time, or Blake? Were you a hardcore mountain biker, and you got and you got Eric into it? Yeah. So I was I was looking for a new uh, new little hobby, I guess, because um, I was over my golf days, and so I'd always seen Blake mountain biking, and I was like, man, that's pretty cool. I used to do like skateboarding and stuff, and I wanted something a little dangerous, you know. So I was like, all right, let's do mountain biking. This sounds fun. And so I hit up Blake and it just happened to be like pretty close to the beginning of his vision loss. Like he was still seeing pretty well, like at that time. So um, yeah, there was like this transition of where he wanted me to be guiding him and, but he was just still a way better rider than me. So it was like, Blake's like, Eric, like, come on, you need to know, like, all right, which line are we taking? Like, let me know when there's a big rock and we have to avoid it. Like, let me know all this stuff. Like, are we taking the inside or whatever? And I'm just like, dude, I'm like holding on to my handlebars for dear life. Like just trying to get down this trail. Like, I don't, I don't know about all this guiding stuff. So 
it was like a funny process for me because I was like learning mountain biking, but then also trying to just explain everything back to Blake. Um, so that was super cool. And it, it was fun when, you know, he's like on my back tire, like pushing me, but I'm supposed to be the one guiding him. It was just, it was a funny scene, like probably, but um, yeah, no, the learning over time has been cool though. Like it's, it's been a process for sure. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It, and Blake, tell, tell us a little bit about, so you guys are in high school, your buddies, you pull Eric into riding mountain bikes with you and help get him off the golf course. And you're pushing him to help guide you down the mountain. Um, how did you guys create your, did you guys just create your own language just naturally by, by spending time with each other and trying to navigate the different trails? Yeah. I would definitely say it was just like such a process for sure. Um, and if it's cool, I'll, I'll try to just give some backstory on like what led me to where I'm at to like my vision loss and whatnot. If that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah. Just, just like give context there. Cause um, like for me, you know, like Eric got into it as my vision loss started to happen. And, um, but like I grew up just like playing so many different sports um, and like loved riding bikes and, it was always just such a hobby to, you know, grow up riding bikes around the neighborhood, digging dirt jumps and then playing airsoft. And, you know, just like so much of the life was around riding bikes um, in terms of like free time. And uh, and then as I got older and <clears throat> kind of later into middle, middle school, I got like uh, a Trek, like a Trek 3500, I think, just like a pretty simple entry level Trek hardtail. Like my brother got one because you want, needed it to ride to high school. And I was like, I want one too. And then just really kind of took off with uh, my friend, Joe. Like we both just got, had our hardtails and we were just started ripping down trails and like, uh, just pushing the, those bikes to the limits and like really just like kind of destroying those bikes. But I think that's the best way to learn is on a hardtail. Um, and I was getting more and more into it. And then in my junior year of high school, like the beginning of the year, um, I just started to notice vision loss in one of my eyes. Um, mm. And, I, you know, I would just like, you know, thought nothing of it, but then just decided to go to the doctor to get it checked out. Um, and then they did some tests and they got your optic nerve swollen and we don't know why, but they just wanted to figure out what was the reason. Um, and so throughout these next couple of months, like I was tested for so many just crazy different conditions. Um, I really like was unsure of my future with riding. Um, just with conditions like, you know, it, it was it a brain tumor, multiple sclerosis, like neurological conditions, like, you know, they said it's probably going to go away, but I was like, I don't know. I feel like this is something. Um, and then in this process, I'm like, well, like I, I just want to ride my bike as much as I can. Um, and then I, I wanted to, you know, make that transition to a full suspension um, and ended up like getting a specialized enduro and, like, I remember when my mom and I like bought the bike, like we went together to get it. Like it was pretty emotional <laughs> because like this new passion that I was like gaining like just more and more, um, it was just like, dang, like what, what's going on like with my health. And, um, but just being like, let's just get this. Cause we, we're not sure what's all going to happen. Um, and then like soon after that, I was like, I know my timeline here might be a little wishy-washy, but soon after that, I was diagnosed with my condition I have, which is called Labor's Hereditary Optic Neuropathy, or LHON for short. Um, and from there, like, I, I was you know, hit with the news of, like, 
uh, just basically I would lose vision in both eyes, lose all my central vision uh, and become mm -hmm. legally blind. Um, I could unpack that more later, but more just want to hit on like just that shock in the moment of like, what the heck? Like, you know, yeah. I, how am I going to be able to ride my bike again? Um, you know, think through other things. How am I going to play sports like hockey? How can I keep up in school, go to college, get a job, get married? Like all these things you used to kind of question logistically. And um, I had a couple months before my other eye got involved and started having vision loss. And I was like, I mean, like, I just want to be grateful that I can ride and just tried to ride as much as I can. Um, and then when my vision loss did happen in both eyes, um, I tried to like ride as much as I could on my own um until like one day when my vision got i guess to a worse enough point to where i was riding down the trail to try to take the line i was used to but there was a big rock in the way and i hit hit the rock went over the bars and like landed on my shoulder and head got a concussion and like oh. sat there on the trail and just like sobbed um like oh, i man. it was just like it was super heavy and like i for concussion symptoms i knew from, from having concussions before like your vision gets blurry so i was like man, did I just knock out a ton of my vision? And I'm, I was like, you know, distraught. Like, um, I can't ride the way that I used to before. Um, and then it was like, dang, I got to start learning how to ride with a guide. Um, and then just slowly, you know, we can dive more into that process of riding with a guide. Um, but I think it, I was still like unsure, like, I don't know if I can still do this or what's keep up with it. Um, and it's kind of funny. Oh, the summer, uh summer before i guess my senior year of high school when my vision was progressing worse in both eyes uh we did a family trip to british columbia canada and whistler was one of the places we got to go uh, with mm -hmm. my family and um i remember just being talking to my mom being like i don't know i don't think i could ride the bike park or trails up there like and then she was just super encouraging and other people friends like friend ryan and like just really so encouraging like no you can do it there's gonna be people that can help you just go for it and i was like i don't know and i did it and i was like it was one of the coolest days of riding and showed me like i can keep up with this um and i feel like that you know kind of helped me to progress to where i was today and the, the last really quick note um when my vision was progressing in one eye like i did i did a race at Vale with one of my friends um and i remember it was like funny I'm like riding out there talking to someone and they're like, man, like you're going to have to come back out in June. Um, whatever. I, I don't know why. I, I think it was June. And I was like, and I'm like, yeah, you know, that'd be great. And in my head, I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to ride my bike. <laughs> um, right. So it's like super special to be here and just kind of set off the process of like, you know, creating that uh, vocab, which is like the biggest uh, like piece to it, but, which we can get back to that, but just wanted to kind of create more context there and, Oh, sure, sure. Interesting nuggets that um, have really like shared a ton. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's uh, that's incredible. That's heavy too. How old mm -hmm. were you, Blake, when when you started um, getting the LHON? Yeah, so the whole like process was from like six sixteen was when it started. I, yeah, I like I had my license for a couple months, um, and then when I turned probably from 16 to like 17, 18 was like when the vision progressed slowly lost all the central vision, got a big blind spot right in the middle. Um, which basically leaves me with the only helpful vision I have when riding is like kind of seeing 
Eric shape in front of me or whoever that is guiding me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like, it's pretty well plateaued, which I'm super thankful for. Like I won't lose all my vision. Um, so it's nice to have like some stability there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And so mm-hmm. the vision that you do get to keep, uh, Blake is, is peripheral, correct? Is that right. what you have? Okay. And explain to us again, you know, how peripheral we, we, you were telling me backstage that peripheral, you think peripheral is, is good, but it's really a lot of your central vision that's filling in the gap to allow you to have good peripheral vision. Is that right? Right. Cause you, like you, you never like, if this, my hand's a book, you don't read like a book like this and you, know, you look at it straight on. Um, we, our peripheral vision is kind of like good for like, uh, it's definitely good for motion. Um, like you can tell contrast to things and, uh, but you don't have like the sharp, clear acuity that you do in your central vision. Um, and especially when you don't see your central vision of what everything looks like perfectly, you realize how bad things look on the side. Um, and that just kind of reinforces the point point to like, when I'm riding, I still have to actively remind myself, don't try to like think you can see the trail, like listen into what Eric's saying um, and what he's like, what we're talking through um, and like describing the trail, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely saw that firsthand. I, I really want to talk about that too. Cause that was really, yeah. uh, that was really inspiring. Um, but for those of us who don't know, I know there's all, all different types of blindness. Um, what is defined as legally blind? Yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I used to think people, they were just like, you're either like need glasses or you're blind and can't see anything. Um, but legally blind is like a visual acuity of 2200 or worse with best correction. So 2200 basically means what, um, my, like my acuity is like 2800, which would mean what you see at 800 feet. I see at 20 feet, which is a rough scale. Um, in two, 2200 would be like the point at which you can't drive. Um, and relative to 2200, like 800 being a much higher number is a lot worse. Um, in terms of Paralympic classifications, uh, like there's like that, those classifications people might know too. Like I'm a B2. Um, there's like B1, B2 and B3, B1 being worse, three, the best. I'm like in the middle. Um, but that's yeah. Super subjective stuff (laughs) to to try to explain. It does put color on it for us to understand, you know, what, Mm -hmm. what the vision looks like for you. And, uh, I mean, just bombing down those trails, like we were at that speed, it's just way more impressed now that I, I I really understand, um, what you're looking through. And then, so you're in high school. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just saying like, cause it's interesting. Like mountain biking is so visual in terms of like picking out the right line. Um, and I think we, you know, sometimes we undervalue our vision to pick the right line and realize, no, you can ride this trail if you see the right line. Um, but we also, there's another point where there's so much I can control and do and like my bike control and what I have. Um, and sometimes people think like, how did you describe a trail? There's so much to it. Um, and kind of to that point, like Eric, like I'm curious to hear what you would say, like to help me visualize the trail, like, are, are you more ex- explaining like what the trail looks like? Um, or are you explaining what you're doing riding the trail? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, it's totally what I'm doing. Like it's, if I tried to say back to Blake, like 
okay, there's a rock on the left and then a little rock on the right, or like, oh, there's, you know, uh, whatever, 70 degree turn coming up and it's got whatever this type of slope, like, no, it's like right side, like I'm just moving to that line and I'm gonna tell Blake that I'm moving to the right side of the trail or the left side of the trail, or, you know, we're tucking into a berm now or whatever it is. Um, yeah, so much more about like the action than just trying to explain everything. Um, but then I feel like probably Blake gets like a huge sense of what it, what, like it's always this reaction of like before and then after, like we'll be going like over a drop or something and I'll be like, okay, drop, drop. And then it's like a little rock drop, right? We get down at the bottom and then maybe Blake is like, whoa, dude, that was way gnarlier than I thought based on like how I reacted or like, oh, dude, that was a no-brainer. Like, you made it seem like a big deal type of thing. Um, so he always gets a sense of, like, what the trail is actually like, after, you know, when he rides over it. But then, for me, I'm just trying to explain what I'm doing as best as I can, yeah. Yeah, yeah I feel like it's an interesting thing to – where it helps me now explain to, like, someone else if, if I ride with or explain how it works, where it's like, there's no way you could explain to me what the trail looks like. Um, but I don't, okay, to a degree, I don't have to know what the trail looks like. Um, I'm more so, I just have to know what I have to, how to react accordingly, um, which is like an interesting point. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. And, and it's a good point too, like we're, like to your question earlier, like I feel like the vocab we've created is like just keeping it as like simple as possible because sometimes like more is less. I don't know, what, what would you say? Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to get too much detail and too much, like, you only have so much time, you know, for, like, the 10 feet in, in between us. So it's kind of mm -hmm. quick and to the point, and then Blake's going to go over it, and we'll see what happens kind of thing. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and I noticed, I mean, we're, we're, we're booking it down the trails, and, Eric, you're, you're saying exactly that. You're on left side, left side. And I hear Blake repeating it left side. And then if there's a turn, you'll say right turn, right turn. And then he'll say right turn out. Meaning that I think what that meant is like, you're telling Eric that you're right turn and you're out now, right? Yeah. Is that kind of how, and then when it comes to drops, I hear you go drop, ready, drop, or or jump, like ready, jump. Or it, it was like that timing and I could see it working. And the other thing that I noticed following you guys is, Blake, it looks like you ride um, with your bike a little loose. Is that loose meaning that I see I see the the seat kind of um, you know between your legs, kind of moving back and forth, and it kind of almost looks like when the trail starts to move, your bike starts to react, and then you, it helps you read that a little better. Or am I just making that up in my head? <laughs> no, I I guess we're processing it together because I you know it's 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 that funny thing where when we ride together like. I'll try to like take a video of Eric doing something. And then it's like, he's not going to watch me do something because I need him to do it. So it's like cool having that third person. Um, but quickly to your point before, like, um, yeah, it's definitely like relaying the information to Eric um, so that, you know, Eric doesn't have to like turn around, um, like look behind him. And so that he can calculate his speed based on, you know, if, if I, if Eric says right turn, right turn, and then he's on to the left turn, 
And if he's still saying left turn and I I don't say I'm out of it, then hopefully Eric is thinking, okay, let me wait till I say I'm out of it and then say like, I'm good, I'm right on you, I'm right on you. So then it's like, if I'm like, I'm on you, I'm on you, then he knows he can go faster because it's like trying to like keep that gap going all right, decently. Um, but then, yeah, but for in terms of bike control, like, yeah, that makes sense because I feel like I just have to like react to everything um, where I like just try to stay really loose and have good bike control. Um, you know, mm-hmm. keep my seat super low and just trying to control my bike, you know, let the suspension do its work. But I think we, we forget about the suspension that's in our arms and legs um, and how much we can like control our bike through things. And when like, it's hard sometimes, like I'll want to do like a te- really technical Rocky section. Um, and I'm like track standing as we go through it slowly. And then like, it's probably hard for you, Eric, because then you have to like go slow on sections that are just easier going faster, rolling through, you know, um, which like it happened in our video. I, I get hung up on the Rocky crop garden because I like get bucked off the wrong line. Um, but thankfully you were watching. So I was like, I was like, yeah, Mark's watching. I guess I'm fine to keep going down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I was like a little more left, a little more left. And, yeah, yeah. and then you were, you were through it. And, and the other thing that uh, you guys use is you guys use a bell. So, I mean, I'm, I'm getting the gesture. You're using a lot of different senses. Um, you're using the bell for sound so you can kind of tell distance. I noticed when I was leading us out from the parking lot of Vale out to the trails, before I even yelled out, we're going to climb, I heard I, I was shifting the gears and I heard you say, I heard your derailleur. <laughs> so you're already yeah. shifting gears before I could even call it out, which I thought was really, yeah. really cool. But um, what did you guys discover about about the bell? Uh, I know Eric Wright has the bell on when we're out there. Yeah. At what point did we actually get a bell, Eric? <laughs> yeah, it was it was later in the process, but it was more about like the like the distance, like if and, and you know it had to do with the stuff on the trail too. Like when I first started using it, Blake's like, you know when it's rocky, like that bell is just going crazy. So I know like, oh, okay, we got a rocky oh, section coming. Yeah. Or like, if it's smooth, the bell is kind of just fine. And and um, yeah, I think it helps him know like how far away I am. Like if it, you know, you can hear kind of the sound of like, oh, maybe he's getting 20, 30 feet away and I need to like, you know, go a little faster to keep up. Um, so it was kind of like the proximity, but then also like the surface of the trail, what, what it's looking like and stuff like that. That's yeah. interesting. Wow. Like that's interpret very cool. the sounds of the bell and bike. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is very, very cool. Um, before we get too far in the show, just want to say we're out, we are definitely not alone. We got a we got a great audience today. Uh trail dogs are in the house. What's up? What's up, boys? Good to see you guys. Lost Trail is on tonight. Joey Yates, Keith Hollins is out there, has a couple questions for you guys already. We have MPB Rad Dad. And uh, let's see who else. A uh, couple questions here from Keith. Can you guys mind taking a couple questions from Keith real quick? Sure. Keith wants to know, so we all know that you guys met in high school, but um, I kind of said earlier that you guys kind of went away and went through college and are back now. How old are you guys now? I'm 22. 22. 22, 23. Look at that. <laughs> And then uh, another question is, how do you get over the fear of the unknown during writing? Um, 
Okay. I'm say something while you're thinking that way. Yeah, so, it, got, it, it's, it works for both of us for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People always ask me, like, the, 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 the thing that I get is people say, like, dude, like, if Blake falls, like, won't you feel really bad? Like, oh, if Blake gets, like, super hurt, like, aren't you going to feel super bad? And I'm like, well, I guess so. But, like, think about when Blake does really well. Like, look at when he's <laughs> ripping it. Like, that's awesome. Like, are you kidding me? Like, what's the alternative, you know? Like. If I'm guiding him, that's awesome. If, if I don't, then he's going to find somebody else and he's going to rip some trails with someone else. Like, it's it's just a matter of, like, you know, the reward is worth the risk, I guess, is how I think about it. Like, Blake knows what he's getting into. He knows the risk, but he's, like, stoked to do super well and, and ride these cool trails that he, he never would be able to if he – you know, decided to, to not ride bikes anymore. So, um, I don't know. What do you think, Blake? So, yeah, awesome. no, that's a good point. Because I feel like a huge thing that helps with you, Eric, is just being mellow. And, like, I, if someone's guiding me and they're, like, reacting to something, like, um, it freaks me out where, like, one time we were at Ted Williams in Poway and Eric was behind me, another friend was guiding in front of me and like we come up to this drop and i hear my friend jeff in front of me like slight hesitation in his voice but like he's like he knows that i can do it and then eric behind me is like i hear he just is like whoa <laughs> like just like started to like react to it and i i ride this drop and i was like made it down totally fine made the turn at the bottom and i was like dang what the heck like that was big and then we go back i was like i'm gonna look at that again and i like like hike up this big rock and then I try to do it again and I like drop it and like slam into the like the bushes on the side because I knew what I was getting myself into um oh, and sometimes like be, having it be unknown is not as scary because I don't know what it is um not like this I'm just oblivious but like I'm I'm just trusting my skills and I the person in front of me that knows I could do it so I don't have to like see it and psych myself out. I just like trust the person in front of me. Um, but you also just learn the process of like crashing a lot, um, which isn't fun, but like, it's just part of the process too. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I heard you say that before too, is um, a lot of blood, sweat and tears, um, mm. but it's washed out by the passion. The passion's the fuel <laughs> to get you back out there. Uh, the other thing, I hear you say is trust your bike, trust yeah. your bike, trust your skills. So those are like awesome mindset pieces to have when you're out there. And I, I mean, just following you guys, I tried to close my eyes for a second may, may or may not have been like crying, like inspirational cries, <laughs> watching you guys blaze down the trail. But when I was, you know, trying to close my eyes, I'm like, man, that is, uh, that is, that is amazing. Scary and hard, but stoked at the end. We were just, we're just having so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. So on, on this part, um, let's talk a little bit about trail talk, huh? Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about where, where do, where does Blake and Eric like to ride? Where, if we're out there in the wild, where maybe, where would we catch you guys ride in your local spots? Yeah. I, our local trail is pretty much double peak in San Marcos. Um, that just where we've ridden the most and, you know, it's nothing too crazy. It's just 
a lot of just rocky, chunky, steep stuff um, with steep climbs too. Um, it makes every climb everywhere else easy. And, you know, we still got our little jump trail and whatnot, but it's just, that's it. That's our spot. <laughs> like we, we ride Vail and we're like, what are these flowy trails designed for mountain biking, actually? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's the local stuff. That's great. And did, were, are you guys part of those? Did you guys help build those trails out? Or are they just the local trails in your area that you guys ride the most often? Um, yeah, there's certain trails, or kind of like one trail pretty much, that I've like spent a lot of time digging on. Um, other stuff is, is not really stuff you would really want to dig on. Um, and then I've been trying to teach Eric how to, how to do some digging too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's great. And, and we were also talking about your bikes. What, what kind of bikes are you guys riding on these trails? Yeah. So I ride the specialized enduro. It's like the 2015 and it, gets the job done like i i'm so so happy with the bike and i love just how the suspension how slacked out it is just got my wide tires and like it performs super well and um yeah i def definitely can trust that thing for sure and it's, it's been through been through a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah right now i'm on a norco range um it's a 29er and it just is a monster it's like a classic like long travel 29er and that thing will just handle anything that you throw at it basically so it's uh not the most fun getting up the trail but it's worth it on the way down <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that climb um on the trails the trail dogs are asking uh what's a feature that you guys have had the hardest time with is there one specific one um Eric, you take this first. Just curious to you. I'd say jumps, at least from my perspective, because like if you're sending a jump, like speed is everything. Like you're thinking to yourself, okay, how fast do I need to go? Okay, I see where this takeoff is, and you know maybe I get another crank in, maybe I like you know whatever, release the brakes a little more. There's so much like speed judgment, and me being a guide like i try to keep blake as close behind me as i can but if i'm going over a jump like i don't want to case it so i'm like trying to go as fast <laughs> as i can too so it's been like so many times where i get over this jump and i look back and like blake just you know lost me kind of far up and then it's hard to catch up so i'd say like mm -hmm. timing on jumps and, and like maintaining like trying to go really fast and stay close to each other is just has been tough i feel like yeah yeah no i'd agree especially like trying to like it's just so hard to accelerate um and go fast because the faster i go the consequences get way higher where maybe i'm on the right line but it just takes a split second to go slightly off and you snap a visor or something <laughs> um and <laughs> like but for jumps like you know we're never gonna do like a double um like i, don't know, I feel like a step down is kind of nice when the trail just kind of drops out from below you. Um, the landing's like super forgiving. Um, but like, you know, like I feel like that drop jump at the bottom of the jump trail we did. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's at the end of one of my videos I made like, and there's certain things where I know, like I just have to like let the ground fall out from below me, but it takes a lot of like tries and um, 
Yeah, everything has their hard, hardest part, but I feel like jumps is the most to it. Like I feel like the, the day we rode Big Bear and like rode Party Wave all day, like at Snow Summit, like that was our that was like the craziest day of riding to where I was like, <laughs> I, it, but yeah, that's a whole other Dang. story, but definitely jumps. <laughs> wow. For those of you folks that are just jumping on here on the live or um, you guys, uh, Blake is, is legally blind and he's uh, we're talking about jumps and all these different features out on the trails, which is amazing. And the, the dropout that he was just talking about is at Vail. So at the end of tunnel of love, there's this log drop. You have to go through this rock garden and you make a hard left turn and you log drop down and then you go across and you actually can jump over the, the trail that's um, on the next ridge over. And uh, like you, you, we were looking at it and Eric, you, you're really good. You kind of already know, you know, his skill set, So you kind of have an idea that he can do this. And you're like, I think you could do this. And then Blake, tell us what you do. You basically, to to check out the feature you kind of well you walk it right yeah just like certain things like that where like if i can walk it i can feel with my feet the slope at which i'm gonna like be landing on um and you know it's fun like sometimes all of my worst crashes or falls of the day or like I like I go to check out a drop and I walk to the end of it and I've just like walked off the end and just fall oh, down wow. like the rocks. It's just <laughs> stupid. It's not even like, bike related; it's more hiking related. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, but yeah, I feel like like there just like walked it, felt the slope of it, um, which was helpful, and just to know like the turn leading up to it. Um, and then there was like that like younger kid that was like about to do it that came by and I'm like, dang, like. This kid's doing it like I, I gotta go do this. That's <laughs> the little kids, man. <laughs> that yeah. little shredder was gonna send it, and you're like, "Well, I'm signed up now." <laughs> yeah, that was March that was still like, made. It's like, dang. yeah. And then at the end of it, you're like, "Man, that was awesome! I felt my stomach going up in my throat." <laughs> yeah. uh, just like uh, going off, I'm just like, "Where's the ground? Where's the ground?" <laughs> yeah, it, it it was cool too because with Eric being in the front, you can kind of hear his bike. You know that the sound of the hub in the air, that zzz, yeah. and then the contact to the ground. But yep. you know when he's contacting the ground, you're still in the air. <laughs> so uh -huh. there's definitely that level of trust and and skill and everything. But man, that was really cool to see. Uh -huh. um, Ride with Chris wants to ask a question about the bikes that you guys are on. So uh, he did an episode with film producer Aaron Lutzi on the show, and they talked about the progression of the sport. How has the modern writing influenced how you build or shape a trail? Going back to the trails. Hmm. Just the trail itself? Yeah. How has the modern writing influenced how you build or shape a trail? Yeah. I, I feel like it's just so interesting just seeing the progression of writing um, where, you know, like I've, there's such a like wave of mountain biking now. And I feel like, years ago when I was getting more into it, there's like, it's another like wave of mountain biking. And it's like, it, uh, the one way is interesting. Like, I feel like the, you know, the, the bar just continues to be raised. Um, so it just pushes you to like, want to like achieve more. Um, and you just see more what's possible. Um, and just try to, I don't know. I always try to like take inspiration where you see other places where I'm just like, man, like, I wish we just had a bit wider of trails, a bit more flow, um, a bit more just like tabletops uh, in places where 
like just having YouTube where you can like look all across the world at places that have been doing this for much longer. And you'd be like, mm-hmm. man, like that, it'd be nice to ride there for that reason. And this place for that reason. So like, how can I like piece those together in my riding here? But I, I, I know that answers the question. But just to say, yeah, that's great, man. That's, that's yeah. good. H- how about you, Eric? Any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think it's just more like, you know, you watch Red Bull Rampage or you watch something and then you're like, oh, well, that trail in my backyard, like, I need to just go send it. Like, <laughs> after you see people doing stuff, you you can't, you're just like, everything that you ride just shrinks, you know, you're like, okay, I can, I can do this stuff if that guy can do that, you know? Yeah, um, that's true, man. It's like, it's like, to an extent, it was like when as humans were trying to run the under the what four minute mile was it the four minute mile they were trying to run that and uh nobody could do it until one person did it and once one person did it then a bunch of people did it thereafter yes uh mtv rad dad is asking you guys a question here it says where's the next place you really want to ride at oh oh i know my answer yeah what would you say, Eric? I would say Santa Cruz, probably. Yeah. Oh, like, I've ridden uh, some trails in Santa Cruz just without Blake, and it's one of those spots. So, specifically, I would go to the Flow Trail, and we would just rip all those berms and stuff. That would be awesome. Because, <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, I got to do it without Blake, and then I come home, and I'm like, Blake, there's all these amazing trails in Santa Cruz. We have to go, and we haven't gone yet. So, yeah, that's what yeah, I Yeah, then we could hit up specialized HQ up there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I would do Sky Park. I still haven't been. And I want to hit some flowy jump trails with forgiving tabletops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hear too much about it. I'm like, I, I, just, I need to go. <laughs> but I'll, yeah. I'll, we'll get up there soon for sure. Man. Well, actually, there's a bunch of us going up to Sky Park this Saturday, the 24th. Uh, we're, we're heading up to sky park and their jump line. It's been a while since I've been, but their jump line, if I remember right, was for pretty forgiving, meaning that there wasn't like any big deep gaps, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, anyone else on the show tonight, help me reinforce that or correct me if that's not right on the Neverland jump line. Um, but if you're free, we are, we're heading up there this Saturday. If it, if you can make it work, but anyways, it's not going anywhere. We have plenty of time to hit up. So that <laughs> is cool. Santa Cruz and, and Sky Park. Um, so Blake, let's talk a little, let's get a little bit deeper into your story. And, um, and Eric, I know, I know you had a short window tonight. So if you, if you needed to jump, it's, it's all good whenever you needed to go, but I appreciate having you on. You are definitely the writer partner of the year. So, uh, <laughs> Thanks for thanks for all you do, and it's nice to meet you, Eric. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, super cool hearing all that all, all your perspective on stuff too, Eric. Like, uh, it's awesome. Real, uh, this is super cool to be doing together. So, yeah. All right, have fun. See you, Eric. All right, Blake. So, um, we're talking a little about trail talk and talking about some of the places that you'd like to go ride trails. Um, let's get a little bit deeper into the the Blake story because, uh, man, you're an inspirational dude because 
I know a lot of this happened in your formidable years, right? 16, 17, 18. I know that was tough. I know that diagnosis, just talking to you, it, it was really rough. Can you take us through a little bit about that time and what you did to kind of become who you are today? There's some, something that shifted there to help you create this, this person you are today, which is amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I would love to kind of just like fill in other parts of my story if that if that works. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, because I feel like um, you know, think super long story short, like you know, when I was first hit with my diagnosis, um, it wasn't you know, I wasn't like hit with like oh, I was like super depressing. Um, you kind of, just kind of this like shock to where you question so many things in your life, um, and I'd say the top things in no particular order necessarily are just how am I going to keep up playing sports, um, like playing hockey, which was a huge passion of mine. How am I going to keep up in school? Um, how are we going to keep up in, like, would I be able to get a job? Um, would someone want to marry me one day? Like, could I be in a relationship still? All these things that I wasn't unsure because I, I then realized that's where certain, like, uh, preconceived notions or stereotypes I put on other people with disabilities or people, other people who are vision impaired that I didn't even realize. Um, and I think with that, um, you know, it was shocking. And I, you know, it was a time where, you know, you want some slot cut and, you know, people at school, like where now it would be like, talk, I remember talking to an administrator and being like, you know, like, so my grades are going to suffer, right? Like I can't keep up in these intense classes that I take. And they're like, nope, like you're just going to do them a different way and we're going to connect you with uh, people that are going to be helpful. Like there's people who call, are called teachers for the visually impaired who I would work with for like an hour every day to learn Braille, to learn technology that I depend wow. on. And like re, I'd like I'd like relearn how to do school um, while oh, keeping man. up competitively junior and senior year um, to then keep up and go to college. Um, but Throughout it, like this time um, with school and so many other things, um, I when I wanted slot cut, uh, people through school, uh, friends of mine, um, having a strong church community that I'm thankful that I've been around, uh, that you know was there to support me and remind me that like I can have joy through these hard times um, and that there's more to this life uh, than just like this world and all the things that like can be taken, even if that like is like my vision. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I, my family just continued to support me. And um, there's so much behind the scenes to where you could see a lot of the things I do. Um, and like, it's like, it seems so cool or not that big of a deal, but um, you know, people don't see the hours I've spent with my family members taking way too long on, on homework assignments to keep up in school. Um, the hours that my family has spent with me trying to continue to ride, trying to continue to play hockey. Um, but it's been an amazing thing, like just to share about like hockey real quick. Um, yeah. Hockey was like, you know, like team sport, love hockey, like individual thing, mountain biking. Like that was, that was kind of like, as I grew up, what I kind of like fell into. And um, I thought I was done playing hockey. And long story short, I heard about blind hockey which is an adapted version of ice hockey for people who are blind or visually impaired. And I heard about it and I was like, nope, like I don't want to play with people with a disability. That's not for me. Um, 
And that was just what I thought. And like, man, was I wrong? I ended up being able to check it out um, and just fell in love with the game and ended up connecting with so many people who had similar stories to myself who grew up playing hockey um, and then lost their vision. Um, and how blind hockey basically works is like the puck's going to be like a lot bigger. It's thicker and metal and has ball bearings inside of it. And it's like hollow. So it rattles a lot. And as it moves around, it's easier to see because it's bigger black. As contrast on the white ice, move slower. And you just like interpret the sounds of the puck as it bangs around the ice. Um, and then there's simple things like you got to make one clean pass once you're on sides. And then the raffle will blow an electronic whistle. You could shoot on net to help control the flow of the game. Um, goalies have to be completely blind and the net is a foot shorter and they oh, just wow. do a phenomenal job of tracking the puck by listening to it. Um, and yeah, I just, I feel like I'm playing the same game just with the adjustments I need. And uh, a couple of years ago, the sport grew enough in the U S and Canada to start national teams. And I was able to try out and make it on the team and play on the U S national blind hockey team for the past mm -hmm. couple of years now. Um, and, you know, it's, it's insane to go from thinking I'm done playing the sport to now playing at an elite level. Um, and, in, you know, it's fun to play at an elite level because you play super competitively, you represent your country. Um, but like, you know, what does it mean for me to represent my country? And for me, it looks like um, growing this sport to more people um, and to be like to an inspiration to other people who are vision impaired. Um, and it's amazing to see just a societal impact that it has um, and seeing the sport, you know, now grow where we want it to become a Paralympic sport because that'd be awesome to play in the Paralympics, but it's also so that we can get more countries involved and more people of any skill level, um, any vision level to play. Cause like the NHL does such a good job of like that hockey is for everybody, uh, no matter your ability. Um, I think the biking community is, so cool how it's inclusive as well and it's just amazing for me because like all these things i do like i'm a product of my teammates and what they've shown me where yeah it's crazy i mountain bike but i have teammates who have done crazier things like like bull riding like it's it's insane uh wow. what others do and so you know it's amazing to keep up as an athlete there and uh to now be like where i feel like that's where i like well, that's where so much of my time goes. And a lot of people know me for hockey um, and mountain biking was, you know, I think it's, it's, it's good to have another activity in combination with biking. Um, like it's so good to supplement training, but also just uh, to keep your body moving in other ways um, and mm -hmm. just staying in shape for other things as well. And it's cool for this to like, where a lot of times I was like, why, like, why am I still mountain biking after all this? Like, just so much crashing i'm like what the heck is the point of it this um like who who's telling me i have to do this like you know nobody is um yeah and i don't i need to stop thinking i need to prove myself to anybody else um and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be the rider i was before and i, I need to accept that um but it's like cool stuff like this or it's like dang like seeing mountain biking evolving is more of like part of my story uh, just as much as like hockey is as well. And um, it's been cool just to kind of like tie things back together. Like with, um, with school, like school is probably like the, definitely the hardest part 
of my story um, where I, I attribute a lot of the reasons I'm like good at mountain biking is because I've developed patience through school mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where the amount of time that it would take me to do assignments where school, like school is not hard for me in terms of content. Like I was like, like graduated magna cum laude, like great grades. It, that wasn't the problem. It was making the like schoolwork accessible. Um, you know, I'd spend so much longer than my peers um, or I would spend up, stay up late at night, just like researching how could I make things more accessible? And it takes a lot of patience and a lot of like um, holding your fist back from punching your computer. <laughs> mm. um, like, you know, when you just, you want to just like check your computer off the roof, but you develop that patience and I feel like that translates into other areas of my life where like, mm. it's going to take me a lot of times to do something I might want to do on the trail, um, but just got to do it over and over and I'm going to crash and make mistakes. And I think there's like, it goes both ways like this overlap but you know super thankful to have like graduated school a semester early a degree in marketing and minor in spanish um just super thankful for that um because it's hard (laughs) and then to now like be working doing something i love um you know i've been working for tasco um and for those who who unfortunately may not know (laughs) they we make some awesome mountain biking gear and it's, you know, it's amazing to be able to work in the industry and something I'm passionate about and went to school for. Um, because at the end of the day, like one of the biggest things that pushes me to live my life and that like is heavy on my heart is like 70% of people who are of working age and are legally blind are unemployed. Um, wow. And that, like that's, that's really bad. <laughs> and 70%. I, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, one, I'm grateful to be working and two, like, I'm grateful to like be in a place where I can like push the limits to what my technology can do. And I want to make, you know, a more accessible world for like other people, because it's like, you know, blind people, they aren't, there's like, it's funny, like we're, we're just blind. Like that's it. <laughs> um, I think we overvalue our vision, but it's like technology can really remove those barriers and it's, it's only getting better, uh, which is, I'm super thankful for, um, but uh, you know, it's amazing to still be riding and mountain biking, playing hockey, um, to be keeping up in school, to be working like in the industry. Um, and also like, I guess like that last biggest doubt I had was like, shoot, like, will someone want to be with me? Why? Like, could I get married? Um, and to now like be getting engaged to my fiance, Amanda is like, is super special. Um, yeah. And to where that's, you know, some of the biggest doubts I've had and um, just like how my family has believed in me so much, like she's been someone to like grow my confidence so much to continue to do the things I do. And, you know, she can get out there on the trail and ride just as well as me and show me up, which is always fun. Um, But just super thankful for all this. And it's been quite a journey, but just wanted to like connect the dots more (laughs) with that question. That's great. I mean, gosh, dang, um, national qualifying for the national hockey league national, you represent the United States of America in, in your sport, which is phenomenal. Uh, obviously the goal is the Olympics, which you're already working on. And that's, that's phenomenal. Um, I noticed too, that, uh, there were some links that went back and forth. Are 
are you a spokesperson for for hockey? Yeah, um, not necessarily, but it's funny the media opportunities that have come my way. Um, like I've just been, you know, lucky to you know, like go on the NHL network and um, have different interview with like news and newspapers and whatnot. Um, like not officially, but I try to do the best I can to like be an ambassador for that. Um, yeah. But I think it's it's up to like all my teammates to do that. Um, maybe since you know, I I don't know. I I I'm just I I try to just say yes when opportunities come up and people say I speak well, so then they ask me to do something else. So I'm like, sure, like <laughs> of course, like I and I'd ra- I'd rather speak in front of a group of people than try to walk into a situation and like into a group of people because I can talk to a group, no problem. Um, but if I have to go somewhere like I in, in a group, like I can't see people's faces. Um, so it's really hard navigating that and knowing who's mm. who. I think that's like gotcha. probably one of the hardest thing I deal with. So I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll speak in any, in front of a camera or a group of people, like no worries where they say like, just act like the crowd isn't there. It's like, cool i can't see him so it's, it's pretty easy you know <laughs> william shoot yeah. you do a good job and, and your your story is so inspirational to to so many people it's amazing in fact we have my buddy christian's on the line here crisco bike he actually wanted to before you announced that you were engaged he was actually asking if you would actually date his daughter <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, um adam mock said uh Adam just was tuning in. He says, does Blake have a sponsor? If not, let's get our guy a sponsor. So, hey, uh, I think you were looking at Specialized, right? Specialized, if anybody is tuning in from Specialized, uh, Blake Sinek, yeah. he's actually already on a Specialized bike. So, uh, right. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like, it's definitely cool. Like where like, I realized like, I don't know, I'm the, it, ugh, formerly thoughts like, my life right now is pretty surreal going from a place of like just marked by hardships and trials that like still I have to deal with, but like to now it's going from overwhelmed with hardships to now like overwhelmed with joy, uh, like just surreal, like the things I'm blessed with right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was like, dang, like what is like building my brand look like, Uh, especially around biking and just wanting to like realize like, Hey, like, I want to, you know, this is such a cool platform to share my story more um, and to build more connections um, with, you know, different companies that I want to think their product works best for me. And um, so definitely like working through that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Might have to, might have to introduce you to the folks over at YT. They're not too far away. <laughs> and, uh, and that's a good company to look at. I mean, I'm partial yeah. to them, I, but I, I do have to, I am an ambassador for Outride, uh, which is specialized foundation um, that they have, which is basically promotes like the positive impacts for cycling for youth. Um, and they like awesome. give um, like bikes to middle schools uh, to give kids opportunities to ride who may not be able to, or just to show students the impact that bikes can have. So it's like, it's cool to be connected there and just trying to, um, yeah. you know, I, have like wrote an article that they're going to share um this sometime soon but sharing more through there and just keep going to keep growing it and seeing where opportunities lead (laughs) 
So yeah, let's talk about that. Cause one of the opportunities and one of the doubts that you had when you were going through this at the beginning was, am I going to go through college? And when I do, am I, am I going to be able to get a job? And you threw out the statistics, 70% of folks that are blind um, are, are unemployed. And you're able to land a job within the industry. It just so happens to be one of my favorite brands for mountain bike apparel. You landed a job with Tasco. And uh, Crisco Bike was actually asking, how did you get connected and to start with Tasco? So tell us a little bit about how that came about. Yeah, um, I get just like preface, like um, in college, like, uh, like college is great. Um, business school is great, but it's like, it's what do you do with that degree? Um, like what relationships are you building and um, what experience are you gaining? Because you need practical uh, experience. So like I did, like I worked multiple internships while going to school um, and just got as much uh, experience as I could um, to like build that professionally, like as, as quickly as I could um, and worked really hard to like network with a lot of people to just process through like, you know, what, what do I want to do? Um, and also like knowing more and more like, man, like I like, God's given me such a crazy story um, and it's very random, but like uh, just where, where is this going to take me? And I, I don't want to like, um, you know, I want to choose the right steps and not like undervalue what I'm capable of. Um, but I, I try to like prepare myself professionally as much as I could before graduating. Um, and at the end of school and like uh, shortly after I graduated, I was working in sales and I was like, you know, sales is like not for me, not the side of marketing I would want to go into. Um, and just like long story short, like I, you know, just reached out to Nate because I saw he was hiring for another position um, and just talked to him. Um, like I just kind of knew Nate throughout the years of riding um, more, had like more of a mutual connection and um, just kind of like asked him. I just shared where I was at and what I wanted to do and worked helped on some, a couple marketing projects and just slowly uh, developed that more and more. And, um, you know, as you know, Mark, like Tasco is growing and has grown so much since the pandemic. And uh, we want to grow that to more people uh, and, and helping leveraging my skill sets and what I've gained through school and my internships, jobs, uh, and being able to like show that value to Nate and the team at Tasco and, uh, to try to like help grow the marketing there is kind of like how I went in and, you know, just got uncomfortable a bit, like just wanted to take on a new challenge and it's been working out really well. Um, so long story short, that's kind of how I ended up there, but it's, it's, it's so much fun. Um, it's challenging for sure. And it just, I don't know, I, I, I couldn't, couldn't be more thankful and it's, it's fun doing something I'm passionate about. Um, but it's, it's not for everybody because sometimes your passion, your work just in passion blend too much where your passion just feels like work. Um, but I, yeah, I'm super thankful for it. And I also wanted to work hard to find something to where whatever task I do, like straight up, it's a lot harder <laughs> with the limitations of my vision. And so finding something where, you know, low key, I could, I could be sitting at work and like having a really bad headache and be super like just fit, fit have so much eye fatigue and be like 
to where if, if I'm doing school, if I was doing schoolwork before, I'd be like, I'm not really motivated to do this anymore. But since I'm so passionate about it, like it keeps me engaged. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that's kind of like a long story short. <laughs> no, that's good. That's, that's great stuff. I mean, basically, you went out and created your opportunity by leveraging the, the relationship you had and made it stronger and then showed the skills that you've collected along the way through all your hard work and yeah. uh, landed a job with Tasco, which is awesome. In fact, I stopped in the other day, kind of surprised you guys at Tasco HQ. I was like, what's up, guys? You're checking out some new um, footage for some of the some of the awesome gloves that are going to be coming out here in the near future. Um, but I noticed your your desk was right next to the big boss's desk. You were right next to Mr. <laughs> Nate Miller, and you had yeah. a setup in there. So tell us, you know, what is it that you do for Tasco? Because I thought the setup was really cool. And then when I heard what you did, I thought that was pretty inspirational as well. Yeah. Um, just kind of like explain how my technology works a bit. Yeah. And, and what, yeah, yeah, you know, you're sure. on the marketing side, but um, yeah, what cool. are you, what are you diving into for it, for Tasco? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I love technology. I've, I've grown such a passion. Um, so just a, a quick overview is, um, I've, I've tried a lot of different things and Apple products hands down work the best. Apple has like the best accessibility. So, you know, I got my iPhone, my iPad, my MacBook pro, um, they all go together super well. And so for work, I bring my Mac 16 inch MacBook pro. Um, and then I connect it to like an LG 4k monitor and like 27 inches. So I like work off the monitor, just a larger screen. And so basically with people who are visually impaired, like there's uh, like you can magnify your screen, you make like text bigger. And then on the other end, there's using a screen reader, which it um, you uh, basically the computer like talks out loud what's on the screen and you control that by using shortcut keys on your keyboard. Yeah. And so like there's a kind of a spectrum of like your, the worse your vision is, you lean more towards a screen reader. The more vision you have, you can just, get away more with like magnification and enlarging things. And I'm like kind of in the middle, lean towards more using a screen reader. And I use kind of a combination of like magnifying as well as a screen reader um, to listen and use shortcut keys as much as I can. Um, and I think Apple does a really good job of allowing the two of those to blend together. Um, so, but it's nice that I can then bring my MacBook back home and then use my monitor at home as well. Um, but even if I don't have a monitor, the 16 inch MacBook is like, it's such a nice big screen and it's incredibly high resolution to where when I zoom in a lot, it's like not very pixelated. And then I have it on a stand so that I could like pull it up as close, really close to my face. Cause I have to get really close to the screen. Um, and then I have like a keyboard and mouse below it. So it's like up in my face. And I don't have to like type up here, but I can type down below. Mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of like my setup there for work. And then, you know, I've been working in marketing, just helping with paid advertising, um, different things just to help promote the brand online through advertising to help increase awareness, whether that's like um, on YouTube or just getting more people to find it when searching for uh, the type of gear that we provide. Um, and then also helping more with just different content strategy and helping more with, you know, diving into helping more with social media. And uh, there's so many different like hats to wear at a small company. 
Um, yeah. There's a lot of different avenues of marketing that I'm able to dive into. Um, and so there's just so being like an e-commerce brand, there's so much just data <laughs> that you have to like uh, comprehend and know what to, to do with um, to get more people to come to the Tasco website and uh, check out what we have. Uh, because you know we're a smaller company but definitely growing a lot and we want to be like a riders brand um and inclusive to all riders so we want people to want to be a part of that and see the see the quality gear that we have um for people to check out and so it's it's my job to 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 really help promote that and increase that exposure um and get more people to grab grab the stuff we have <laughs> It's amazing when I walked into your office and, sit and seeing those, those monitors and it's talking to you and you're doing two screens, you got this keyboard thing and getting in there with all the different e-commerce stuff and you're like, Google Pixel this and so technical. I'm like, uh, Blake, I'm going to leave you in here to do your thing. I'm going to go check out what kind yeah. of products are in the warehouse. <laughs> yeah, it makes a little more sense back there. Yeah, yeah but yeah. It, amazing, amazing. So many times I, I remind myself like, man, Blake is, is, is legally blind, but like you said earlier, you're, you're blind, but it's not, it's, it's not, it's not who you are, you know, meaning that that's not the big thing. You're doing so many things that are amazing. And, uh, and that's, you know, part of your story, the blindness, yeah. but I have to, like you said earlier with the uh, stereotypes and things like that, when I see you in action, I'm, I'm so motivated and blown away. But at the same time, I see how hard you work at these things. I know this this doesn't come easy. This is a lot of time behind the scenes trying to make things work. And it's just yeah. inspiring to see it in action. And uh, kudos yeah. to you, man, for, for getting over there and doing great work with Tasco. That is, yeah. that is I, awesome. I, yeah. I appreciate you saying that because there's a weird thing with a disability. Like we're having a disability, you can quickly be defined by what you can't do. Um, but... It's. A, I appreciate when people see all the things that I can do, um, but balance. Where you know, I want to see people to see the strengths I have, but also want to understand the challenges that I face. Um, so I appreciate like your perspective on that, and I feel like, um, you know, and I also just want to make blindness like it can be a positive thing. Like it's, it's not a death sentence to your independency, and you can still do so much. Um, you just, you do it a different way, and. Um, I think my biggest thing is is I that I have to deal with is like people just not understanding, um, and I don't I don't let the frustration of that overtake my life. But I think just we need to ask questions to people uh, because questions I feel like are the bridges that understanding will travel on. Um, because you know we think like oh my gosh like they have a disability like they're in a wheelchair they're using a cane they're blind like what do I say and we end up saying nothing. And then the person on the other hand feels misunderstood, isolated, just alone. And I, I think we'd be surprised where if we just ask a question to somebody, ask broadly, ask gently, curiously, like it means a lot. So I, I just wanted to reinforce, like, I appreciate the perspective that you set, um, like just as a friend and just like with this conversation. Oh man, you got it. It's uh you're an amazing individual, Mr. Blake. I, I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm grateful to be your friend. Uh, we're a little over an hour right now, and I just popped up. Uh, Tasco just popped up on the screen. Tasco MTV, I think the big boss is on the line. What's happening, Mr. Nate Miller, if that's you behind nice. the Tasco <laughs> logo right there? Your ears must have been burning. We were just talking about all the great things that Blake is doing. 
over at Tasco. Um, Blake, to end it off, I usually ask you know some funny questions to, to get the perspective of the guest. Um, but I think today, um, I definitely want to have you back on the show, but I think today uh, where this conversation is going, I, I really want to get this, this question out there. And it would be, here you are now today. You have been interviewed a lot for the national hockey team. You represent the United States of America in hockey, in blind hockey, and you're going for the Paralympics as your goal. You're a kick-butt mountain biker, and you blaze down those trails with no excuses. You are doing so many great things. Um, what would the Blake of today tell the Blake of 16, uh, the 16-year-old Blake that just got diagnosed? What would you tell that Blake? Jeez, yeah. No, that, that, no, that's a heavy question. Um, I think I, I used to like never reflect on what's going on because I think it would have just like eaten me up uh, emotionally. Um, when you look at the reality of what you're going through, so like to look back and like think of myself there, it's like, oh my gosh. Um, I think um, it sounds like cheesy, but like I would just say like, dude, like you can totally do it. Um, I, I'm just gonna say like a couple of things <laughs> um, yeah, because yeah. I would I, I would and I I say this to someone who I talked to who would be recently diagnosed with my condition um, like where I'd say like I'd like dude you can totally do it it's gonna be way harder than you think um, the challenges that you're gonna face are gonna be not the challenges that like the hardest things you expect or the things that you expect are gonna be the hardest it's not gonna be those things it's gonna be something different. Um, like you might think it's going to be hard not being able to drive and get around, but like you're not going to know what it's like to not see people's faces and people's facial expressions, um, like something like that. Um, oh. Just you don't know what to expect. Um, you're not going to know how to figure out certain things, but you just know you're going to be able to figure, know there is a way that you will be able to figure out, like just take it one step at a time. Um I would tell myself to use the technology that I use right now <laughs> because man was that a rough time to get to it. And, um, you know, I would just like, and at the end of the day, I would tell myself like your biggest struggle is not going to be like with your vision. Like you need to realize like that there's other brokenness in your life. Uh, and you need to like cling to God in those times and you need to realize what Jesus has done in your life. Um, into where your, your biggest struggle is not your sight. Like it's, it's that, it's that you need a savior to like to lean on because you've operated under this illusion that you have control of things in your life. You think you like your identities and your performance of like the sports that you play. Um, and it's not, and you don't have as much control as you think. Um, and just at the end of it is like, you're going to find incredible joy uh, through these hard times. Um, and just like, be ready for a fun ride. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much I would it. say. <laughs> that's yeah. no, that, that is great. I mean, that's just a, a, a wonderful thing to share with the Blake of today. Um, Blake, if people want to continue to follow your story and see what you do next, uh, see if you make the Olympic team and, and everything else that's going good for you, um, your engagement that's going to be into the wedding, how and where would people uh, follow your story? Yeah. Um, 
No, it's a good question to ask because it's it convicts me to be like, dang, I need I need to be better at sharing this. Um, because like right now, social media wise, I'm only on LinkedIn. Um, I sound hilarious for my age saying that. Um, and um, but if you ever want to talk to me, just call the Tasco office and uh, I'll let you know what's up. <laughs> no, but you, you can also find, um, you know, keep checking out what we're doing at Tasco looking up the USA national blind hockey team, just following the team on social media um, is a great way to stay in touch. And um, yeah, just keep, keep an eye out because I'm sure I'm going to, uh, this is just keep nudging me to get back on social media more um, to be a good steward of the story and influence I've been given. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm, I'm still processing that. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, you got a lot a lot of good things going on, but you've had to work right. really hard to get there, and yeah. and it's amazing. Uh, I just wanted to uh, put this comment up for everybody else, and then I'm going to read this one to you. It says, this is from Bill and, and Lori Stenica. <laughs> it says, this guy is amazing. So honored to have walked alongside of him on this journey. We learn from him every day. Is that mom and dad? Yeah, that is. <laughs> that is awesome. Hey, mom and dad. Uh, Blake, it's been amazing to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on the segment and just inspiring so many people that are listening to the live and that will be listening to the audio podcast in days, weeks, years to come. Um, I really appreciate you, Blake. Blake Seneca, National Hockey League for the United States of America, works at Tasco, bad mamma jamma mountain biker. You'll see him blazing down the trails there in San Marcos. And congratulations again on your engagement. Blake, you're an inspiration to us all, buddy. Thank you so much Thanks for being so much. here. Of course. See you on the trail soon. <laughs> See you guys out there on the trails. Blake and I are out. You. Hey, Senders. Thank you for sticking around to the end of the show. I really appreciate each and every single one of you. If you get a chance to give this episode a review, that would be greatly appreciated. Any review helps get the podcast out to other people and other writers out there. Thank you for listening to Blake Seneca's story. Uh, what an amazing guy. National hockey team for the United States of America. Works for Tasco. Still mountain bikes like crazy and sends it recently got engaged i mean just the list goes on graduated magnum cum laude from his college just an amazing individual and really happy to share his story he's definitely a lighthouse for so many other people out there thank you again to all the supporters of the show thank you so much to tasco thank you so much to 7 idp and thank you so much to the bole brands i really appreciate your support love your products and happy to be able to help get your products out there to all of the senders that need them. Thanks again, everyone. Look forward to seeing you guys on episode 30. Talk to you all soon. You.